<clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, let's get going. <laughs> I've been told I'm too enthusiastic in the mornings. I, I feel like that's from people who lack enthusiasm. Let's, let's jump in. Let's, uh, yeah, right? Well, a little, a little dose of that never hurt, right? Uh, let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to gather as your body. Uh, thank you that uh, we have this foretaste of the fellowship to come, uh, this uh, taste of the, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Uh, thank you that we are... Um, bound to your cross by uh, faith, and that your grace sustains us. In Jesus' name, let us uh, get to it, Lord. Amen. Um, we're going to be talking about a super heartwarming topic this morning, apostasy. Um, it's been uh, been on my mind, and I know on the minds of uh, of a lot of folks who uh, you know, are on Instagram or, or Facebook and see messages from folks who once uh, professed the gospel and, and now have uh, turned away. So I want to do two things today. I want to talk about a high view of apostasy from the New Testament, and then I want to talk about our response to it and our response to those who uh, once called themselves brothers and sisters and then walked away. Um, I'm going to start by reading from the book of Matthew uh, in chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and, and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So Matthew 13 talks about folks who show signs of life and then fade away. Um, I, don't, I do want to get through a lot today, but I also want to leave plenty of time because I would love to hear from you all and your experiences dealing with folks who've walked away, dealing with uh, apostates, um, I've got a couple of uh, stories that, that I'll share during this time, but I would love it if you'd hop in, not only because um, I, I do love to hear from you, but also because I've been dealing with a cold for like five days now. So <laughs> I would love it if somebody else would talk. Um, I would want to talk a little bit about um, Hebrews 3 as well. Um, I'm going to jump from Scripture to Scripture this is verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. 
The Christian life is characterized by faith and faithfulness. However, the passage indicates quite clearly that faithlessness can crop up even in, a genu- in genuine believers. So we have to examine ourselves and make sure that we do not have a heart that is um, leading to faithlessness. Um, three chapters later, in Hebrews 6, we see in verse 4, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gifts and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. There's more than just experiences that are needed for genuine faith and true conversion. Interestingly, it also indicates that it is possible for the unregenerate to experience wonderful, great things alongside genuine Christians. Scripture is very clear that within the visible new covenant fellowship, there will be unbelievers and worse yet, wolves among us. So where does that leave us then? side-eyeing one another in trench coats like spies behind Checkpoint Charlie. Like, no, we can't do that. We can't be Christian double agents. Um, Hebrews uh, brings us back then in chapter 6 to that soil. We were, we're looking at now verses 8 through 12. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless. Talking about the land that is watered and near to being cursed and it ends, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in our, in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit these promises. So it brings us back to the soil. So we're seeking out three things to show us the ex- that uh, the experience is then accompanied by a new nature. So one, we need to look for thorns and thistles. Can somebody look up Matthew 13, 22? As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Right, so the cares of this world seem to occupy more of their time, more of their understanding, those things which uh, we have crucified um, and left behind. Um, we need to look to, we need to look for those thorns and thistles in, in folks' lives. And I think that we see that if uh, anybody's seen the posts from Joshua Harris recently. It's a... Uh, Everyone familiar with Joshua Harris? 
I was a megachurch pastor, and when I was a kid, was uh, greatly influential in uh, purity culture, the leaving behind of, of dating, I kissed dating goodbye. My mom bought, I think, six copies of that book, I'm sure, from Costco. They had a bulk sale. Um, I refused to read it <laughs> on principle, not because I, you know, was some sort of like reformed uh, uh, acolyte at the time, but I think mainly because, you know, I just was, I had never gone on a date before, so why in the world <laughs> would I want to kiss it goodbye? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think when when he published that book, I think he was in his late teens, I, and then less than three years later, I think he was the head pa- lead pastor there. Um, I you know I I can't imagine that. I was an idiot when I was nineteen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we we accept your apology, brother. Yes, yes, I know, I'm proof. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to I wanna read, uh, I want to read, I'm going to read it in its entirety, Josh Harris's Instagram post. Um, my heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me after the announcement of my divorce. They are expressions of love, though they are saddened or even strongly disapprove of the decision. I'm learning that no group has the market cornered on grace. This week, I've received grace from Christians, atheists, evangelicals, uh, ex-evangelicals, that's weird, straight people, LGBTQ people, and everyone in between. Of course, there have also been words of rebuke from religious people. While not always pleasant, I know they are seeking to love me, There have also been spiteful, hateful comments that angered and hurt me. We'll get to those. Um, Not specifically the comments, but talking about that. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith. And I remain open to this, but I'm not there now. Martin Luther said, the entire life of believers should be repentance. There's beauty in that sentiment, uh, regardless of your view of God. I've lived in repentance for the past several years now. Repenting of my self-righteousness, my fear-based approach to life, the teaching of my books, my view of women in the church, and my approach to parenting, to name a few. But I specifically want to add this list now to the LGBTQ plus community. I want to say that I am sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. I regret standing against marriage equality and not affirming you and your place in the church. Okay, And for any way uh, that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry, I hope you can forgive me. To my Christian friends, I am grateful for your prayers. Don't take it personally if I don't immediately return calls, on and on and so forth. Look, the, the idea is that this post is entirely filled with thorns and thistles. 
It is seeking approval from communities and groups that are outside of the church. It is seeking to uh, worm its way into the church, back into the church. It's so strange that he would want to talk about his views of women in the church or not affirming LGBTQ people in the church, but then he would make a conscious uncoupling with the church itself. It's so filled with thorns and thistles, right? So look for those. Look for the absence of things that belong to salvation. What are those better things that uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about? It's okay. They're tattooed on my wife. What are Anybody? Uh, the fruits of the Spirit, right? But among these are love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, kindness, long-suffering. Yeah, absolutely. That we, um, it is what is present when the flesh with its passions and desires have been crucified. Uh, those focused on the works of the flesh, right? What are the works of the flesh? That, yeah. And you, you can say, love the world. And you can see that. You, you can see that in the posts of these folks who are clearly see, distancing themselves from the church, but wanting a community, wanting belonging but looking for it in in entirely the wrong place. Yeah. What do you think the biggest difference between apostasy and uh, the father and the son would be? I mean, I've heard and I've known about the guy you're talking about. Yeah. I read that stuff before. And then I look at like the prodigal. I he didn't see anything wrong in the beginning of what he was doing, and basically wanted his father dead. Yeah. You know, and then in time, however long that time was, he came back. Oh, I would I pr- praise God. I hope so. I, I I absolutely would love to see it. Um, you know, I mean, quietly, and uh, and I think there is certainly room for it. Uh, what's the major? Di- I think that the prodigal son in uh, of that case is apostate. Right? He stands apart. Apostasy comes from the Greek for standing apart. And so he chose to stand apart from his family, chose to stand apart from his God, uh, chose that, you know, wanted his father to be dead, um, like Josh Harris wants his father God to be dead, right? Um, but the, the apostate does not forever have to stand away. Um, I think that there is... Uh, certainly in uh, scripture, it tells us that it is difficult for him to come back, that he must come back on his knees, right? Um, but I, I think that there is a, a, a possibility of return, of course. I, well, look at Peter. Yeah, I mean, we can contrast, I think, the uh, Judas and Peter, both who proclaimed faith and Judas who uh, sold out his Lord and, and never had true faith, and Peter, who cursed Christ on his way to the cross. That's a good example. Right. No better, I think, example of you know someone who cursed Christ on his way to the cross, committed the sin with which, by, by which Christ would be nailed to the cross on on Christ's way there, um, and was still not only came back 
then got into a fight with Paul, right? And there's a, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, it's, it's, it's possible to return, but it's real tough. And yeah, Pastor. You mentioned the word deconstruction, right? Yes. He was at the end. I think he went. Yeah, up in British Columbia. Yeah, but I after he left his post as a pastor. So yeah, yeah, within the last couple of years. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You're all kind of right, but nobody's perfect. Yeah, no group has a a uh, what lock on the truth or something like that. So is he saying then that he has a lock on the truth by saying that no group has a lock on the truth? Is that absolutely true? Right? Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I've been I've been a coward this week, certainly, Josh. Yeah, I think it's significant that, you know, the verse in Matthew when it's explaining the parable of the sower is talking mm. about the you know, our affections, like yes. the cares of the world and what we're attracted to. I mean we spend a lot of time talking about worldview and that's you know kind of the point is that are we starting from a basis where our affections are fixed on Christ yes. and we're interpreting the world through scripture or are we interpreting scripture through our affections? Right. And you see that illustrated in in Harris's post in which his his view of the truth is now being interpreted through all these other lenses, not through uh, you know affection for Christ and what he has told us. Yeah. I mean, how, how else do I mean even gradually come to this? belief then where, where is his belief founded now where is it rooted like so he was wrong then but he's right now like how how does that work um yeah no thank you um I think yeah it's also like i mean it's easy to look at someone like him yes he's had a very pretty intellectually honest like departure from the the faith yeah um someone who's gone through this process of, you know, interpreting, you know, his, his faith, 
use that term, right. through other things. And um, it should be a warning to us not to do the same thing because, I mean, I think it is a slippery slope in terms of uh, not our salvation, but right. in terms of you know how we view the world and what's you know directing our uh, decision making. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, great point. Um, third, we want to look for uh, sluggishness. Right? And these are all things that we want to keep an eye out for in ourselves as well. To Josh's point, I think that that is well taken. Um, those who lack patience in the faith, uh, they do not continue with us. You know, First John 2.19 says they went out from us because they were not of us. Uh, rather, uh, we are gifted with faith as Josh pointed out, and out of that flows love and good works. While an unbeliever can, for a time, assent to the accuracy of the story of Christ, can take the bread and the cup, can partake of the community of the bride, can even believe in miracles, false repentance is possible, but it leads to something, to a hardening in sin. Uh, to revisit Hebrews 3, Verse 12 says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, right? Leading you to fall away from, so this, that's a, an evil, unbelieving heart, right? A heart that is hardened and, and increasingly hardened in sin, uh, as he goes on. And, and you can see that because it's not a, the, the, the post that Harris uh, put up there is not something that is like a, uh, a, a fast thing. Like it, it came gradually over time. Um, and it, there is a, a creeping. You could tell, you know, through interviews with him and that sort of thing that over time he was moving farther and farther away from or- orthodoxy. And that is, so, um, a, a, over time his heart is becoming increasingly hardened in sin until he understands and, and praise God that he understands the different, un, unlike somebody like Rob Bell, um, who wants to join Christianity and apostasy, right? Um, that, uh, Harris understands that he can't hold both positions to be true. He must, he must not call himself a Christian any longer if he is to, to hold his new truth true. Um, I want to read a quote by Sinclair Ferguson. Yes, apostasy happens. Sometimes the catalyst is flagrant sin. Um, the pain of conviction and repentance is refused. And only uh, the only alternative to it is a wholesale rejection of Christ. But sometimes the catalyst is a thorn growing quietly in the heart, an indifference to the way of the cross, a drifting that is not reversed by the knowledge of biblical warnings. So perhaps a personal health check is in order, and today would be the wisest day to do it. So that brings us here. We have Josh Harris, and we have recently as well Marty Sampson, um, who is part of the Hillsong Collective, uh, and, you know, I've been to a lot of churches with Hillsong music. I wouldn't call it deep. Um, <laughs> I know I, I, I said that to be funny, but it, I, I, I say it, I say it, in, it out of sadness as well, because um, I, I, I love music, 
Uh, I love particularly um, you know the hymn, hymns and and psalms and and spiritual songs, but. Uh, uh, my goodness, by the, uh, I don't think, uh, Hillsong did the sloppy wet kiss song, but they're not far off, right? Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah. Ugh, ugh. Um, so Marty Harris, he wrote something really interesting. It says, um, he actually deleted his Instagram post. I couldn't go back and get, I could have probably found it, but he deleted his Instagram post that talked about his walking away from the faith. Um, but he says, uh, uh, letting me, thank you for the good times and for all the belief that you put into so many. You are genuinely, genu- genuinely inspiring. This is to some to at Hillsong, my beautiful family of amazing souls. Um, I have loved being close to you. Uh, blah blah blah. You are some of the most wonderful people I know. To the Church of Jesus Christ, I forgive you. That's powerful, deeply troubling, and disturbing. That he. That, so I mean, the implications are are huge and vast. One, that to forgive means that a wrong has been done, right? And to, uh, for a wrong to be done implies that there is such a thing as wrong. And to imply that there's such a thing as wrong implies that there's such a thing as right. And to imply that there's such a thing as right means that there's a distinction between right and wrong. And to distinct, to distinctivize between right and wrong means that someone must be there to Compare the two, right? And if there are no humans around, who does that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) So responding to apostasy. Uh, This is all from a really helpful article. Uh, Not all of it, but a a lot of it is from a really helpful article by Russell Moore uh, that Josh uh, turned me on to, and I would uh, uh, suggest that everybody go out there and read it. Um, but uh, he brings up four points that I think are, are super helpful. One, don't be shocked, or at least try to limit your shock. And he compares it to finding out that uh, folks have been uh, divorced. Um, and I, I find that uh, personally deeply affecting because um, I'll share with you my, my friends, Jason and Deanna, um, who I believed to be very strong believers uh, called me uh, one day to tell me that they'd been uh, divorced for like six months or something like that and actually had been hiding it from me. <laughs> and this was uh, before I, I was an elder. And then after I was an elder, um, a couple who I was very close to and, and shepherded and um, and uh, spent a, a lot of time with, my, uh, Kathy and I, um, announced that they were uh, going to get a divorce. And so I felt on two very different levels as though I'd failed these couples. Um, I'd failed one as a friend, and then one as a friend and an elder, right? And how how deeply can you then feel that you have failed a couple when they come to you and talk to you about their marriage, and then they dissolve their marriage? Um, so... Uh, this, I think, can feel like a move towards the the secular, as though the the secular as opposed to the sacred is winning, Um, especially when you dissolve something so so special as a marriage. 
So special is something that is a, um, a foretaste of our union with Christ, right? Or a picture of our union with Christ. Um, we, uh, th- that, when that ends, there, there is a, a, a shock to the system. Um, and I, I was frankly very shocked by, by both of these, uh, divorces. Um, and I think that we can feel shocked to, uh, when, when somebody announces their divorce from Christ, right? Um, Harrison Sampson there in those, uh, um, uh, posts that I read, I think tie their divorce from the body of Christ closely to sexuality in the case of Harris and to, uh, science quote unquote, in the case of Samson. And I think that those two things are very closely identified with the cultural left um, in our world today. But you know, in terms of, of shock and limiting our shock, I think we need to look to uh, that as the zeitgeist of now, uh, as opposed to the zeitgeist of other times. Uh, people who fell away in previous generations uh, did so by the popular thought of the day. They fell away, um, you know, to the Enlightenment, to higher criticism, etc. All, by the way, much deeper in intellectual uh, rigor than the emotional basis by which we do everything today, right? Um, not to give credit to higher criticism or the Enlightenment. But um, you know, consider First Timothy, pardon me, First Timothy, I lost my place, one eighteen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith among them, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So this goes all the way back, right? And who were those who God uh, cursed and made to die in the wilderness on the 40-year trek from Egypt to the Promised Land, but those who rejected the apostates of their day. So don't be shocked. This has been going on for a long time. And if Paul couldn't convince Hymenaeus and Alexander, what hope do I have? Right? So two, be compassionate. Pain is present in us all. And I think that one of the things that we can see in both of those posts um, is a, a deep level of pain. And one thing that I saw in um, uh, both couples that I knew um, who got divorced, a deep level of pain that preceded that, uh, those divorces. Um, you strip away the uh, surface reasons for apostasy that we see um, and we, we get down to a, a deep-rooted hurting, all right, for something or longing for something else. Um, but uh, I think that um, you know, if you look at uh, Samson's original post, he talks a lot about nobody really uh, talking about the, the deeper questions in Christianity or the apparent contradictions in the Bible. Well, wait a minute. I mean, there's a whole library of books dedicated to the contradictions in the Bible, 
or uh, supposed contradictions of the Bible, or um, the the reason that uh, um, people talk about Christianity actually being Paulian faith rather than faith in Christ. And the, these things like people go on and on about for, I don't know, 2,000 years? I mean, roughly the week after uh, or 40 days after Christ uh, came back from the dead, we start having theological debate in the church. And that goes on until the present day. So to say that the church isn't debating these things or answering these questions is um, is silly. But that is the, the reason that a lot of folks give. But Oh, Bob. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, the, a lot of folks give for uh, walking away. But it really is just a, it is the thin layer of butter on top of a piece of toast that is pain and hurting. Bob? Yeah. Interesting. No, I'm, I agree. Thank you. Um, so uh, to talk a little bit about pain, um, my uh, my you know, my brother died uh, here in January, and my el- older brother uh, is um, you know, dealing with it uh, in uh, a way that is f- separating him from. Uh, Christ, separating him from God. He's uh, you know, talking about how how can a good God allow this kind of suffering, right? And and you know, as much as we want to talk to somebody about that, we know that that question has a really good answer, and we know that we've had that conversation with so many people over so many years, and and like my, my point is that there are times when debate is not going to be the answer. Um, debate is going to get you nowhere and going to end up by uh, carving, you know, a, a, a rift between um, you and the person that you are seeking to uh, reach and be compassionate towards. Um, even in uh, my, my, my uh, brother who died, his last years, he was not attending church, uh, still professing uh, belief in, in God, but uh, 
Um, you know, I would talk to him every once in a while, but only push so far. So I encourage you to be compassionate and, and push. I'm not saying just accept what it is that they're saying, but I would encourage you. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder. Jude says um, to have mercy on those who doubt. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so think about, like, we, we were talking a little bit about how the, you know, the, the language of uh, disbelief all seems to be um, uh, the same. They, they speak a common tongue, these, uh, these folks, these disbelievers. They, um, uh, Russell Moore describes it as, as hackneyed arguments. Could God microwave a burrito so hot even he couldn't eat it, right? <laughs> or, um, so I, I, I think that's very funny. Um, so consider then Ecclesiastes, this is uh, chapter 8, verses 10, 11. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is also vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Um, these are folks who are living out their best lives now uh, on borrowed time. Um, why hasn't Christ come back already, they'll say. I mean, what, what's taking him so long? They'll say, and I had a friend say that, and I said to him, what great mercy to you, friend, that he has not come back already. But you, you, and see, they see these, these sweet things as fodder for jokes and humor and, but it is all, it's a common tongue. Uh, so li listen for these things is what I say, and, and, and don't, you, cause you'll feel the need to answer right away. And I do. And I think that we, we need to, um, like Josh says, have mercy and be compassionate towards, uh, towards these folks. Um, oh, go ahead, Joe. Ralph. Going back to Matthew 13, mm -hmm. uh, the author of Matthew is citing, and he goes back to uh, Isaiah. You know, these people are deaf and blind. Yeah. Yeah. To try to communicate with people is very they, they just they they they're there. They have the idea, they know what they're doing, they're gonna do it. And, and my point is the debate is probably not gonna help you a whole mm -hmm. lot. It's only one thing that can change your mind, and that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's a yeah, that's huge. It's a very important point. Uh I uh uh no, no, not at all. It's a uh, it's great. We'll uh, move uh, quickly to think through the, the last point. Um, I want to uh, read this from Russell Moore. Usually, um, or I will quote 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. 
I've noticed sometimes, though, in my psyche that I use those words as another way of saying, we should have known you were a fraud from the beginning. John's language there, though, is not part of an argument with those who have left the faith, but a word of reassurance for those who remain, that gospel advances and the anointing of the Spirit is able to preserve them faithful to the end. Point three, don't give up on them. The goal of excommunication is restoration. That doesn't mean that we deny the reality of a situation. If a wife abandons her husband, he has biblical grounds to divorce her. There shouldn't be an endless waiting game to see if she returns. However, um, now, preparing for this lesson has uh, pushed me in two directions. Uh, I've been reaching out and praying, or reaching out to and praying for the apostates in my life. Um, and also, I've been reaching out and praying for those people who have been wrecked by apostasy and hurt by apostasy. And I want us as well uh, to not only don't give up on the apostates, but remember those who have been hurt and reach out to them as well. Um, so I, yeah, I, that's my encouragement to you. Um, faith uh, is a gift. Uh, there is no better time to remember the empty hands with which we, into which God pours faith than when we reflect on one who professes and then repudiates that belief. You know, we come to the Lord with empty hands and we cannot then look at our hands and say, well, mine are more empty than yours. God pours faith into us and we need to remember that we bring nothing to the table. Finally, <clears throat> we must examine ourselves. Uh, we um, <clears throat> correct and robust theology does not save us. Experience does not save us. Uh, legalistic efforts to live by the law will not save us. We need to look for those things which are fundamental. Uh, we were, uh, Kathy and I were in a lift yesterday and there was a, our driver spoke like zero English. But on her radio was a song and I recognized the melody. Um, uh, none, none, none among the heavenly train, none among the sons of men can with Jesus air compare, none so sweet, none so fair. Beautiful song. I love it. And in Spanish, I love it. <laughs> And uh, so she, she and, and I was like, I, I couldn't remember at the time what the song was. And so I said to her, is this a Christian song? And she was like, ah, Christian, Christian, yes, Christian, you, you, you're Christian? And, and I said, uh, I said uh, yes, I am. Solamente Christos, solamente fide, solamente deo gloria. And she was like, ah, yes, solamente Christos. Like, that's that is the the common the common tongue. We we didn't speak uh, the same language, but we could recognize the fundamentals in one another. And I think that we need to examine ourselves and make sure that those fundamentals are are correct. That we are not relying too heavily on our ability to um, exposit uh, texts or our ability to uh, look to the Puritans for inspiration, but that we. Um, we have the, the faith that God pours into us. Uh, that is not 
To absolve us, though, of striving for theological depth, and we do need theological depth to uh, join that uh, those experiences, uh, because without the two of them conjoined, um, we do not. Uh, we can very easily be uprooted and taken away. Uh, we need to examine our connection with celebrity and consumer culture. I am on my phone way too much. And I look at way too many Instagram posts and way too many Facebook posts. Um, and I, like, I'm, I'm too, I, I'm, I'm connected. This is, this is what's terrible about me. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't follow like, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian or whatever, but, but I make, uh, I get into the, the celebrity culture of people who have, you know, like 600 followers. That's, that's weird, right? Um, we, we need to spend less time engaged with that, more time engaged with one another, and, and less time giving those people power over us. Uh, we need to examine our tendency toward legalism without staying, without straying too far towards antinomianism, without rejecting the law outright. Without, we, we do need to conform ourselves to Christ, and Christ did come to fulfill the law, not to, uh, not to uh, reject it. Uh, Nathan says to David, you are the man. And then all of a sudden, David says, oh, that story was about me. It was me the whole time. Um, just a reminder, I am the man. <clears throat> that story is about me. Um, that story is about all of us. We all uh, do these things which will drive us from God, but gloriously the Lord brings us back to himself. And he, will, he is faithful to complete that good work which he started in us. Um, yeah. That's right. Could have lost his head. Right. Eventually, Peter uh, came back, was drawn back by Christ, and ended up crucified upside down, right? So he was afraid that he would be crucified, and that's why he cursed Christ to begin with. And then he's crucified anyway. Praise God. Yeah. Keith. My challenge is, because I don't know where someone is, what soil they are, hmm. Yeah, it's heavy. It's tough to find that. I don't know if balance is the right word, but to hold those at the same time. 
I think the, uh, the, the spirit working in the lives of those, uh, whom he's calling, um, will f- strike that balance. There will be, uh, I think, um, ordinary means, uh, sent to those folks. Uh, you, you may, if you are drawn to, uh, be the warning or you're drawn to be, uh, merciful and compassionate, I think that, um, you know, listen to the, how the, the spirit is, is working in, in you as well in that situation. So I, I feel the, the same thing that you feel. Um, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be that word of warning, um, in, in my family. But I also know that I grew up as kind of a know-it-all jerk. And so I, um, I, I, I know that, you know, my early experiences, my formative experiences probably, um, push me away from being that warning in my family because of how I grew up and who I was. Um, so I think that we'll, we can, we can certainly, um, we should listen to those things, right? Does that make sense? I don't, maybe not. Josh. Oh, Michelle. I was just going to say, I think that one of our most important responses to all this is prayer. Yeah. Because we can't change people's hearts. We can't change people's minds. But by truly being in consistent prayer for these people, not only are our hearts being softened towards them, being filled with mercy, and we're participating in whatever God is doing in their lives, but I think it also helps us to be more prepared for those conversations that come up and to be more, to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be more ready to do mm. because when you are praying for someone regularly, it is binding your heart to them, and um, I think a lot of times with some of the um, people in my life that I have a couple of family members where I don't know where they stand before the Lord, and I'm mm. so convicted to, to realize that, um, you know, I see them in the summertime, and it's like almost like a surprise to me, like, oh yeah, I don't actually know if you're a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to be coming into that relationship and that conversation, like, more um, prepared, honestly, above all things, just through prayer for them. And, and also, prayer and repentance. Yeah. Wally, um, you know, we should all be humbled that God has preserved our faith, but we also have, um, we all have unbelief in our hearts, and I should be um, approaching that person with the Lord forgive me for the areas of my life where I do not have faith, and I do not believe that you are the God you say you are, and um, anyways, it's just easy to, like, spend so much time trying to figure things out and actually not go to prayer. I'm yep. lazy about it. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Josh, you want to? Um, I, my only comment was that mercy can be an important thing as well. Like yeah. We should, we should not look at um, you know, us being called to show mercy to those who doubt as you know, just being accepted. Yeah. Like you can, it's like we had a conversation with Jack. You need pleading for mercy. And like, well, you know, mercy is giving you a consequence for what you've done wrong. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it's, I think that you know it goes both ways. Amen. <laughs> right, we'll we'll close on that. Michelle, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Lord, we thank you so much for this time to consider um, the importance of uh, our our faith and Lord the grace that you've given us, Lord the mercy that you've shown us to give us faith and preserve it, Lord. And we ask for um, mercy in our own lives, Lord, that we. Um, you would continue to preserve and strengthen our faith, Lord, help us as we um, interact with uh, those around us who have 
walked away from the faith or are doubting the faith or help us to um, know how to love them well and to show mercy and care and um, also be a, a, a strong voice um, of warning when, when the canon should be more. Give us the uh, faith and the courage that we need to uh, put hearts to be just sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Help us be prepared as we enter worship today, and thank you for um, this time to be, to be together. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.